0: everybody loves mcdonald's fries so yes you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home um but the bag did feel a little light tonight on love and respect two-time wnba champion and atlanta dream co-owner renee montgomery
1: there's little girls right now that say they want to grow up and play in the nba and i'm like but why my whole life we play like for the honor. We we aren't making. We weren't making very much money. We still aren't making a lot of money compared to the men's side. So we play for the growth of the league. And then yeah. you, if you have little girls coming up saying they don't even want to play in the league, it's like, baby, we building this for you.
0: Absolutely. Like and this is for you. Renee Montgomery coming up right now. Renee Montgomery, welcome What's to Love up? and Respect. I'm so happy to have you. <laughs> I'm so impressed by you as a player and transitioning to an owner. You've accomplished so much in basketball, on and off the court. What made you? And this is a dad of a daughter that just made JV. Okay. So, shouts out to <laughs> Michael Marie. Come on. What Michael. made you fall in love with basketball?
1: You know, it's it's kind of when you're the youngest so you talked about you have a daughter well i'm the youngest i have two older sisters and when they were playing sports i was playing sports so they started playing basketball i started playing basketball and i just developed a love for it they went on to do cheerleading track and major i had to let them rock because that wasn't that wasn't (laughs) my vibe (laughs) but i stuck with basketball and i kind of fell in love with like trying to be better because i wasn't good when i started i know like people i know it's like people get surprised I was strictly defense. I came in when the good player was tearing us up and our coach would be like, all right, it's time for you to do your thing, you know? So I fell in love with trying to earn minutes and then trying to be a part of the team and then trying to be, like, one of the main characters on the team.
0: What made you work hard to be a champion? No, because when you're yeah. not good at something at first as a kid, yeah. usually you want to quit, but you didn't quit.
1: No, you know, that's that's what drove me, honestly. Like, what kind of kept my energy going was, first of all, I knew I was in West Virginia, so there wasn't any pro athletes coming out of West Virginia. There wasn't a lot of other athletes in general. Shouts to Randy Ma- House. People yeah. know that Shasta he came Dr. out. Randy. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to my guy. Jason, right? Jason Williams, mm-hmm. White Chocolate. So yeah. we had, the fact that you can name the couple that came <laughs> from West <laughs> Virginia should tell you exactly what we were dealing with. So I knew that I had like the odds kind of stacked against me and I felt like I said, I, I like that. I was like, alright, well let's see what we can do. And so it started out as, I told you, we I was coming off the bench heavy. And when I say heavy, meaning I was happy to get in the game if I got in the game. And then we started playing AAU and traveling mm-hmm. and I'm talking about every day I was just working on my dribbles. I was working on my handles. Shooting, I know I'm known as a shooter now, but shooting wasn't really my thing in the beginning, so I just started to want to win. Yeah. Like, it was like, oh, I see when, I, when we win as a team, you know, we get love, so yeah. it didn't matter if I scored a lot of points or what I did, and so... That started my championship drive, like my championship mentality, because it was like, look, if we win, we all win. So why don't we just try to get more wins? We don't get in trouble at practice. And then it just became a habit, and then it just became like an addiction.
0: Did you get mad when you lost?
1: Oh. Come on. Like yes. I like losing was the word winning was like, all right, cool. But losing, that's where, you know, I'm watching I watch all the games over, by the way. I'm an overstudier, but when we lose, yeah, I don't I, I didn't handle that well.
0: In broadcasting, it's kinda like that. Yep. You watch your shows to see what I did good, what I didn't do so good, what I can prove on oh. next show. As a broadcaster is something, you know, it's just host I've had to do and you know you cringe sometimes when oh. you see your stuff.
1: Hate hearing my voice on there.
0: But- <laughs> <laughs> what inspired you to learn broadcasting though yeah. because a lot of people you know once they retire they're off to the bahamas it's been a cool run broadcasters are like are what keeps you in the sport randy does an amazing job yeah. speaking to west virginians howard cosell used to do a great job cheryl miller cheryl, candace cheryl, parker cheryl, i mean yeah dope broadcasters yes. what made you say I'm going into broadcasting.
1: You know, I went to school for it. So a lot of people, you know, don't know. I was a communications major at UConn. I knew that in any type of business, you have to communicate. And I knew that communication was one of my, like we call them our superpowers. Like I don't have a problem talking to people. And I feel comfortable talking to people. So when they said, what do you want to major in? I'm like, communications. Let me major in something that I can use for different things. But I knew that with sports there weren't very many other avenues is you're an athlete you go be a coach or you go be a broadcaster so I wanted to stay around sports and that's kind of what got me into it but as I started to get into communications more I started to see like entertainment as a whole is communications and and so I was like I want to be in entertainment. Yeah. Whether it was broadcasting, being an analyst, I knew that like I wanted to be around energy and action. And yeah. you see a lot of times with entertainers when we link up with when athletes link up with rappers or athletes that yeah. link up with entertainers, everybody feels comfortable together because we're all doing sort yeah. of the same thing.
0: Or they get locked up for weed in France. You know what I'm saying? Free little baby we, it, free <laughs> but
1: I had them problems. Okay.
0: <laughs> I will say though, I remember when I was younger, broadcasters did not look like us per se you know it was it was people from outside our community commenting on athletes that were from our community They did a good enough job, but I can say, you know, uh, an influx of black and brown folks coming in the broadcasting booth, you know, an influx of actual women, you know, calling the games, women's games, have made for a lot better in terms of understanding the cross section of culture and sports. It's been great to see people who look like my little girl as we're watching games together.
1: You got Michael, I got a son, junior, and so imagine if they were able to see us young. They can, but for us, we had to dream. It was an matter Like, I had to think of something that I didn't actually see in real life. Like I want to be a WNBA player from West Virginia. Well, there was none before that. But you know what I mean. I had to think of that dream of that, and I think that's why it's important. I mean, even us sitting here, this is unconventional. Yeah, come on, (laughs) it is. Rapper Killer Mike is interviewing me. That's an like everything about what's going on is unconventional, and I love it because there's going to be people like you. That like yes, you're a broadcaster now. You're a host. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You doing your thug a out here, okay?
0: You going to be blessed. <laughs> but you overcame a lot. Like in terms of size, so people expect you to be big. You were not. Yeah. People expect you to as small to be get pushed around a lot. You didn't. You were you were tenacious on court. <laughs> tenacious shooter. Overcame just being defensive only.
1: You watched you, a couple but, clips but, or whatever. What she doing? Sorry. Okay. You got to do, you you do your homework, Come dog. On.
0: But you're a triple threat. <laughs> yeah. Heck of an athlete, heck of a broadcaster, Mm -hmm. and now owner. How did you parlay ownership in a a time where it seems like more former players are looking to become business people, owners, and more attributes are are being shown than just I can shoot a ball? What brought you to Mm -hmm. ownership in the WNBA?
1: It's crazy because that wasn't part of the plan. You know, I remember talking to Diana Taurasi at NBA All-Star in Chicago, and she was talking about, like, yo, what you going to do afterwards, you know, like just – we just shooting the breeze and she was like I want ownership and I was like oh that's dope for you you know I was thinking like for her like that's dope for you and then as the pandemic happened I opted out of the WNBA in 2020 and we wanted to do something big I'm like if I'm opting out of the WNBA I need to have some type of big impact almost like we didn't have to show why I opted out but I wanted to show look this is why I'm opting out and it started with protest and it was happening at centennial olympic park we threw a pop-up block party you know juneteenth let's celebrate there's not much to celebrate right now but let's get to it and then you know my wife we just announced that we're married uh my wife serena great thank you she was like you know the dream might be up for sale soon so you need to try to start thinking about that i'm like Girl, what what money? You know like I had to start like <laughs> what do you know that I don't know and she just saw me there and that's why it's good like I always talk about teams around you because people see us on camera right now but you know you got a monster team around you. Mm-hmm. I got a team around me that's killing it and so I can't take ownership of being an owner of the dream without mentioning my team because they're the ones that even as i started telling my parents and my family and they're like girl yes do it and i'm like everybody sees me like this is not a big deal like everybody was like confirmed and felt strong about like yes do it you can do it so then i went about trying to figure out how i could make it happen we were calling vcs we were talking to different people and then you know we got linked up with suzanne a bear and larry g like-minded people, we both saw the same vision of where we wanted to take the dream, and bomb, here we are.
0: So it's, first of all, it's refreshing to see an owner with dope braids. So let, okay.
1: let me just say that, man. Yeah, That's what I'm a, you know
0: what I mean? Swagging okay. on them. What what um, in the WNBA, you guys have led the way on many issues. Like 99% of the players are even vaccinated.
1: Come on, not like it's
0: 99. Ninety-nine. I don't even know if 99%, my family's vaccinated. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so I'm just like, man, y'all did a better job of convincing. What brings that advocacy to you guys' league? And, yeah. and what what was so important about health advocacy in terms of vaccinations for you guys
1: you know just if you look at how the WNBA is made up we're made up of the minority we're majority minority Mm -hmm. so if you look at it we're used to being discriminated against we're used to having to stand up for stuff black women are at the lowest threshold pretty much when it comes to anything Mm -hmm. you know you know it's it's just how the totem pole is working, and I think that because we're so used to dealing with it, and you got to remember, women, we're ready to turn up if somebody comes at somebody we love. So yeah. women are going to not only just stand up for what we believe in, but if we see something going on with you, yeah. oh, no, baby, it's time to plot, plan, strategy. That's okay, organize like, and mobilize Okay, like oh, real. no, baby, it's time to grow. And so I think that when you get a large group, 144 women, all educated, all went to school, all understand what's going on. The WNBA is comprised of a lot of women that know what they want and are not going to be shy about it.
0: So you're a team owner, you're a former player, you're a broadcaster, you're a businesswoman. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. And participating McDonald's. What's marriage like, and what's raising a black man like in, in the in the in the swell of what it's today's America for you?
1: Well, first of all, nobody. Why aren't y'all rapping about how lit married life is? First of all, I don't hear. Well, you. I do.
0: I am the. I am. I started the whole show. I your follow, wife on the internet. But so yeah. that's. You know yeah, what? Because yeah, I, I follow you, yeah. and you.
1: I like how you move. So you yeah. know what? I'm following on Twitter though, because I told you. Yeah. I do that. <laughs> but I like how you move, where you exalt the woman that you love. Absolutely. But you know, a lot of times. People need to know their married life is lit. We can watch Ted Lasso together. We can talk storylines, plots, but then you already know you got somebody in your foxhole at all times. That's what, for me, it's like when you're out here in these different spaces and the entertainment industry is like the sports industry. It's competitive. It's tough. You never know, but to have a solid rock beside you, that's, for me, what marriage is. It's like I know somebody that, like, we going to war. I don't care where it's at. I don't care what happened. We going to war together. And so, for me, that part is lit raising a son in this environment a black boy is is difficult because he's so innocent like he'll look at stuff he's still asking why did they attack amard Arbery? like i don't understand what like what happened and i was like there's no answer for that like you know like it's almost like you want to keep his innocence, but he also has to be aware. We need you to be aware because if you do get in a situation, it's not a game. Because he he's jokey, he playful all the time. If you get in a situation, it's not a game. You need to be respectful because yeah. they don't see you like I see a little baby. They yeah. see, you know, they might see just a threat. A threat, yeah. And so for me, that's the hardest part. It's like keeping that innocence, but also still making him aware yeah. of where we are in reality.
0: In terms of HBCUs, in a world of... People thinking stuff outside of their community is yeah. better. I always like to remind people that you know how the leaders went to HBCUs—the people that that are up on your grandpa's wall and your grandmother's uh, wall. The people
1: that are in office right now, you our produced, VP.
0: Absolutely. I we're, mean, Mayor Keisha Lance
1: absolutely. absolutely. I'm talking about it. Ain't even the past history. I want people to know current history went absolutely. there too.
0: Absolutely. Current. And, and 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 a lot of times I think what people forget is. What, what we're missing a lot of times in the African-American community is not competence, it's confidence. Mm. And a lot of times, smaller classes, a professor that looks like you and understands you, a professor that may be from the same background or a similar one is going to help you. I had a white art instructor at... Um, at a center we went to on Saturdays. I was in the Art Talent Center in my high school. She's a white woman, but I didn't know she grew up poor. So me and Larry Newton were in her class, and she could understand that we didn't have the same monies to buy materials as the other kids. She said, so this is what we're going to do. Because I was poor. We painted with coffee. So she literally went and got coffee, hot water, and taught us to do, when we did our watercolors, we did them in shades of brown, she says, not having is not an excuse, we're going to find a way, or make a way, and I can remember being in college, and the same thing. Professors understood where we were from, so they pull us to the side sometimes and say, hey, this is the obstacle you're facing. Yes. We're not going to create an excuse to not not challenge that. We're going to overcome that obstacle, and this is how we're going to do it. Love so it. a big part of historical black college and universities is getting that attention and that, that confidence you need to push through so I want to never under
1: talented you know like that's what people HBCUs are never under talented they're just usually underfunded yeah. and so you start to look at the things and what. why don't we have confidence Yeah, you know like because imagine if teachers were pouring into us the same way your art teacher was starting young you yeah. would have confidence in everything you do and so we got to instill confidence in each other like Absolutely. that's why when I see somebody you know I just show love because that's if we all started doing that imagine Absolutely. like imagine if I was trying to think from your position you know what I mean like I look at you you could be like killer Mike you were poor like you know <laughs> what I mean people you know what I mean but people probably see where you are now and that's good that people yeah. know that like where you start,
0: Talk about class for a hot second, because mm-hmm. if you're the only black kid, but you're a black kid, parents who went to HBCU, yeah. your confidence is probably through the roof. But I'm sure you were there with poor white children, too. Sure. And for there's sure. a miseducation that happens in this country that keeps poor people separate. It, 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 it tells poor white people your skin is enough, right. yet they don't have the resources it takes to escape poverty. They don't have the resources it takes to identify when they're being yeah. hustled. Like the West Virginian right now is holding up a bill that could potentially help, yeah. you know, old Joe. You know, no. not Biden the other yeah, guy. I know. It's, it's holding up what Mansion. could potentially help people. Yeah, um, I don't always name my ops, but
1: oh, it. <laughs> no, nah, it's
0: all good. <laughs> but it's good to name because his constituency needs to know that what he's doing is wrong, and it doesn't just hold up black people or CRT or whatever thing you think it. Yeah. It really is holding poor white people, and when you talk about the bottom of the Appalachian, Tennessee, rural Alabama, yeah. when you start talking about North Florida, South Georgia, um, poor white people are as duped by education, they are as, they're as duped by health care and politicians. You know, having grown up in that environment where you got a chance to see the best of us and sometimes the worst conditions for them, mm-hmm. what was that like as a kid? And what advice do you have for us as a country in terms of mending past race and, and, and according to class to kind of push for better for all of us?
1: You know, I think if people started to just look at the similarities it's hard to do because all we look look at is the differences at first like our society the first thing we focus on is how are we different Mm -hmm. you're a man i'm a woman Mm -hmm. you know like that's the first thing that people recognize even in sports like we talked about how it's broken up and it's the same way when it comes to to gender and class in a sense of if you're white then it doesn't matter what class you are in people's minds it's like well at least you're white yeah but you got the same struggles as we do if we're black, you yeah. know, it doesn't matter that you're you're white in this instance. If you're living below the poverty line, you're in the same group as everyone else living below that poverty line. When we talk about voting and some people are like, you know, I'm not into it or I don't know, no, sis, that ain't me. It's like, well, what are we going to use our power for then? During the pandemic, the gap is only growing. Yeah. The poverty line is getting, the people under it is growing. And so I saw in West Virginia, I did see a lot of poverty, but I also saw that there was that divider yeah. like you know and, and it's interesting because my parents i did come from black excellence you know both educated my mom was a college professor at that time so the confidence was through the roof and then i had two sisters that tried if you want to you know like yeah. I, I knew i had that confidence walking around and we're like ain't nobody talking crazy to me i got two older sisters that ain't yeah. playing that but when you're in a school yeah you you start to see you start to wonder like why would you hate on me we're the same yeah but people don't see that they see that no no you're a black girl Even if I'm living in poverty and and I'm a white guy, we're not the same. And I'm like, yeah, we are.
0: You're into female-led companies, food for the homeless, ensuring access to voting. What's your top focus now? I know that there are going to be big elections in 2022. But past politics and past whatever social thing is, you know, mm-hmm. taking up this quarter. What is the one thing you could say? This is my lifetime mission to focus on this cause to make sure that this is eradicated or this thing is indoctrinated in us for the for the good. What 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 would your legacy in that be, yeah. philanthropic or otherwise? What I that?
1: think it's just like advancement, and what I mean by advancement is we talked about it. Women receive four percent of media coverage when it comes to sports, but. Yeah. of venture capital funds go to women. Like people, yeah, so women-led founders or women-led startups, 2% 2% of all the money goes to women. Why? I do not know. Women are creating companies just as well as men. Mm-hmm. And so. And then if you look at minorities, the is still just as low as well. Mm-hmm. So I think when it comes to advancement, with me being a co-owner of the Atlanta Dream, I'm like saying the Atlanta Dream everywhere, like, come through. Of course, I see he's waiting for you, Killer Mike. Like, I'm coming. Yeah, come through because, like, the more people pay attention to the problems, the more light is shed on it, the more we can advance. And that's women and minorities. So, and then me being a general partner at Valor Ventures... That's what we're doing. We're investing in minority startups. We're investing in women-led startups because that's the new way that money's being built. You know, a lot of times people don't know, like, there's trends of money. In the past, like, generational inheritance was how families, you know, you pass the money down from family to family. Those are the people you typically saw at the top of the wealth charts. Not anymore. The people at those wealth charts are startups, founders, early employees to those founders. Well, then who's getting that money? It ain't us. Yeah. And so I would just say, like, my legacy, it's just the advancement of minorities and women in whatever avenue that is sports, venture capital, whatever it is. Like, we got to start taking it up. We know now the numbers, and the facts are out there. The numbers are out there. We know them. How can we change them?
0: Yeah. One, one more the, the big three. Yeah. Does, does it does it make sense is the big 3 going to grow Are the big gonna, 3
1: league yeah the oh, big 3 league.
0: okay Are we gonna, so uh, you're like, yeah i'm, I'm in the basketball yeah. so, <laughs> so 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 does the big 3 grow and if it grows do we see a, um 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 an intersex league because my thing is with a big 3 man you could have three That's people true. on the court you could have two women one man one you know we could we could do it a lot of different ways but i like where your the, head's at the,
1: I like where your head's at. Come on, because Lisa Leslie was the coach of one of the championship teams, so there's already an infusion of – women into that world, mm. and I think with Ice Cube and what they're doing over there, yeah. I don't think they'd be opposed to it. When we talk about the big three, athleticism is out of the equation anyway. You know, like this is, some players though actually are still in their prime, but yeah. some players are past that prime and they're playing yeah. that fundamental basketball, and so I can actually see it working because, you know, a lot of times like if you put a man versus a woman up in and in playing one-on-one in their prime, there's physical attributes that might make that game not as exciting, yeah. but when you talk about the big three and how it's the, the set up, yeah. And I mean it's half court. You ain't yeah. run it up and down the court. I, I, I would do. argue though
0: there's some sports like when Billie Jean King beat the reporter who was talking trash. That was just she drug him. I would he's not a yeah.
1: professional. I am talking yeah. about real I, athletes. I would say he had no business trying to S- do it go against
0: Serena her. in her prime. <laughs> yeah. I would have loved to see go against Mac and in
1: his prime. I would I look now I, that yeah, Shouts to King Richard, I yeah. would have loved to see that as well that in a been sense made. of I mean, but even still, I don't even think it's it's needed though. Yeah. You know, like Serena Is doing her thing on her side of things. And, you know, like sports are never gonna become unisex in general. So that's, but the big three, that's a good situation where it could. But, you know, I don't, like, cause there's little girls right now that say they wanna grow up and play in the NBA. And I'm like, but why? My whole life, we play like for the honor we we aren't making we weren't making very much money we still aren't making a lot of money compared to the men's side. so we play for the honor we play for the growth of the league and then yeah. you, if you have little girls coming up saying they don't even want to play in the league it's like baby we building this for you
0: absolutely like this is for you absolutely i expect to see more coaching more more dominant players yeah. i expect to see the audience grow yeah. and uh, we got to make sure we get that music that get buckling let's in go so Man, Renee Montgomery, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm talking to a superstar, talking to an owner, talking to a leader, talking to a wife, talking to a mother, and I've been honored to talk to you with love and respect. Our so we just
1: met, right. but I feel love. like we kind of met or whatever after that.
0: Thank you for coming.
1: Thank you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs>